Hey, Matt, I have a question for you. Um, the word photography. Photography, it's a great word. We love it. Um, you know, we couldn't couldn't have the homemade camera podcast without photography. So photography is uh, two words, photo and graphy. What does the what do those two parts of the word mean? Come on. No, uh, quick, quick. This is this is your entrance uh, from, exam. Are from you, the Latin? Are, uh, yeah. Photo yeah. meaning light and uh, graphy meaning to record or something. I think. To write. To write. To write. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So so I um, most of us are uh, really focused. The the homemade camera community. We're really focused on this whole concept of the device that does the graphy. But what we're working with is the photo, right? We're working with the light. The only thing that, I mean, like, if for, for instance, my, um, not Instagram, my Flickr handle is freezer of photons. I freeze light, right? So what do we need in, what do we need to know in order to properly freeze light? What, I, I think I see where you're going with that. Well, you need to know the intensity of the light. That's important. Okay. Intensity of the light. And, and of course, <laughs> the sensitivity of the recording medium. Um, so yeah. those, are the, those are the two parts. How do we figure out what the intensity of the light is? What is our, our method of doing that? How, how do we well, do that? Well, you can measure it um, because... <laughs> Yes, a quantity, a quantity of a quantity of photons is a measurable yeah. constraint. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I held up the golf ball on my fingers, although that's not a golf ball. Uh, I held up the golf ball on my fingers, and you drove it straight down the fairway. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's half of uh, making a good. Well, half of it's technically it is half. <laughs> of the process of making a good photograph is knowing the intensity of the light, knowing, and then the other half is knowing the sensitivity of your materials. Now we have focus, we have composition, we have There's, subject yeah. matter, all those other things. The community but, um, does not care about uh, subject matter. We just care about oh, focus and exposure okay. and total sharpness. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, no, art, uh, no art here, just technical stuff, no art. So, so I've got this little device, Matt, can you identify this little device? And um, for, for those of you who are listening on, uh, on the podcast, um, we are doing um, this also as a video. Um, it is going out live on our YouTube channel. Um, and this is Friday, January 29th. It is 1017 uh, Eastern time in the morning. Um, so, uh, we've got some video components, but I'm holding up this cube and this little cube, I think it's less than an inch across. I mean, I could use international. That's, that's right. Present. Yeah. It's, it's what? Seven eighths of an inch. Um, yeah, I think it's 21 millimeters on the longest dimension. 21. Okay, yeah, yeah, right about 21, 21. Um, yeah. And what does that do? What does it do? That is uh, a digital light meter that I uh, designed and built, uh, yeah. and uh, you bought one of them. Uh -huh. um, it's, uh, yeah, I 
so in, in March 2020, I started uh, a Kickstarter for the Reveni Labs light meter, which is this tiny um, cuboid uh, digital light meter. Uh, it's very, very small. It goes on the hot shoe of your camera. Um, or the cold, or cold shoe. shoe, rather. Yeah, it does not actually, yeah, it doesn't engage with the shoe uh, electronically. That's just a convenient mounting point. Um, and um, it's been it's been pretty successful uh, and popular. Um, the Kickstarter, um, I think it was eight hundred and sixty backers. Um, pretty good. Oh, nine hundred and fifty units. Some people bought more than one. Um, and then they've been selling pretty well through Reveni Labs. Uh, Labs. Com. Uh, it's been selling really well. So. Um, so you're expanding yeah. the family. I am expanding the family. So uh, a couple of, I guess it's been a couple of weeks ago now, I did sort of officially reveal uh, what is what I'm calling the Reveni Labs spot meter. Um, <clears throat> so I, uh, I felt um, that there was an opportunity to develop a very small uh, uh, and lower cost um, spot meter. Um, that the uh, that the market might be interested in because spot meters in general they've got a couple of problems. Um, modern spot meters are really really expensive. If you want to buy a brand, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't have a voice today. If you want to buy a brand new spot meter, um, Gossen makes one for five hundred US, I believe, at BNH, and Sekonic starts at six hundred US. That's if you want to buy a brand new. Now it's an all-in-one meter, like it's you know it's incident reflective and, and spot. And it does flash and other stuff. It's a, you know it's a it's a pretty heavy duty like you know pro grade meter. This is you know mm -hmm. kind of one stop shop meter. But six hundred dollars US. Like I mean you know if we could all drive uh, Mercedes Benzes, we probably would. But um, you know <laughs> sometimes it just doesn't uh, doesn't fit the the budget, right? So are you um, a Hyundai um, Ven? Is uh, if if um, the Sekonic is a <laughs> Uh, is a Mercedes? Are we talking a Hyundai? Or are we talking, you know, uh, at least a Toyota? Uh, at least a. To <laughs> yeah. So well, so I kind of thought, you know, uh, well, the other side, of the, the other, the other flip side is the, is the old stuff, right? So like, I bought, I bought this guy actually. Um, this is a uh, uh, Pentax Spot Meter V, one mm -hmm. of the venerable um, old uh, vintage Spot Meters. I think this one was made in the late sixties. Yeah, those uh, when I bought it, it was totally <laughs> destroyed, and I had to I had to open it up and uh, and repair it. Um, the battery somebody had let some batteries rot in there, and the battery acid actually ate the circuit board um, because the circuit Ooh. board in here is is uncoated copper. It, it didn't have any um, protective coating on it, and the acid actually devoured the converted the copper into just blue strips of uh, copper sulfate uh, uh, copper sulfate. That was just sitting on the board like crystals and you could scrape wow. it and it would just fall off. Um, so I had to replace a bunch of the circuit board sections with lengths of wire in order to get this one to work again. Um, but it does work, but it, oh, okay. um, it's very, very large. As you can see, it's a, it's a one degree spot. Um, but it's a, okay. it's, so let's, let's describe it. Very, very large. Um, it is, uh, I would say, uh, because it kind of reflects the shape and size, it's a small handgun size. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, it's kind of handgun like. It has a full size grip. You could like could easily put you know this could easily be a nine millimeter. Uh, you could put a nine millimeter magazine in this uh, in this meter. Yeah. Um, 
it has a it has a large lens. The lens has a I have a, a filter on. It. It's a forty six millimeter diameter lens, um, and okay. so it's a view it's a viewing lens as well as a taking lens. So you look through the meter and you see you know the world um, okay. through the meter. Um, inside here, actually, Pentax apparently uses uh, a SLR pentaprism to do the image reversing so that you can see oh, okay. correctly. And there's a full size ground glass in there, um, but what they have in front of the ground glass is a little analog meter. Um, that points to uh, there's an EV scale and the little needle moves back and forth. So it's it sort of sits. Actually, you know what? I wonder if you can see it if I hold it up to the camera. I know this is bad for the audio uh, listeners. You could just barely see it. Um, yeah. Okay. Scale. So so it's like uh, think of a VU meter on a um, on an audio board. So it's it's an arc of of meter yeah. going uh, or a, a, an arced scale with a needle that goes back and forth. Yeah, uh, and so you look I, through the I meter. I interject here and let you guys know. We have a comment from Ben Reynolds who says, I had a broken one of those Honeywell spots, and then I'm going to interject that when I bought and sold cameras, I bought dozens of these, and almost none of them worked. And even the ones that did work, <laughs> I always hated. Uh, the Sconic ones are nice, <laughs> but um, that is a terrible meter you got there, Matt. Okay, so so let's let's stop right there. What did you not like about using that particular spot meter the the pen pentax spot v. yeah so i think i mean i didn't want to get us off on the tangent about my hatred of that yeah. like i love pentax and a lot of their products that was a product that like matt said almost always came like somebody left a battery in it and totally corroded mm -hmm. it was like a very vulnerable thing um and even the ones that did work um you know had a 30, 40 year old, uh, what is it, a selenium or a cadmium cell in there? Whatever the cell was, uh, it was not accurate by the time I got it. Um, and they're big and clunky. The viewfinders were always yellowed and like that stupid EV scale yeah. and then the conversion on the dial on the side. Like, you know, at, I had a Seconic spot meter and it was great. And then like moving to one of these things just really, it was not my bag. I'd rather use my iPhone any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, well, if, if, you need, if you need spot, it's better than nothing. But uh, yeah. there's definitely like so, like we were saying about the the, the brand new Sakonic, If it's a Mercedes Benz, this is the. It's not a Gremlin, but it's you know it's it's. Yeah, it's a, it's a Taurus. It's the Geo. <laughs> it's not the Geo Metro, but it is a. Um, um, it's 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 what you drive because you need to drive. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, I need to get somewhere. Um, yeah. But, it, but you know, it does work. And yeah, and like, and like uh, Ethan was saying, where you have to, you have to memorize the number that you see in the viewfinder and then set it on this dial on the side. You have to set the number um, okay. uh, in order to actually compute the, uh, I mean, it's very similar to what you'd get, you know, with a, uh, like a Sekonic incident light meter where you, you read the dial and you set the, um, you read the, the gauge and you set the dial. Right. It's kind of a two step process. And, um, and for for mine, I always not only had to then transfer it to the dial, uh, then I had to do a computation, whether it was low or normal amount of light and how many stops it was off in each one of those ranges on my particular unit. It was super bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Recalibrating them is really hard. They do have internal um, calibration potentiometers, but it's inside the body. You have to. You re like to get the back shell off of one of these. When I took this one apart, it's it's a huge chore. 
to uh, to uh, find all the screws, and you have to you have to unscrew something around the viewfinder that's really hard to get at uh, in order to get the back off. Um, they're 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 a pain to fix. I'll tell you that. I did have to fix that one. I bought it. I think I got it for thirty five dollars in unknown condition, and I was able to fix it. Which you should have bought Bitcoin with that thirty five dollars. <laughs> yeah, I was like mortified <laughs> years ago too. So. Um, so, uh, I have a question about the, um, uh, the Pentax. Now it's got, uh, a narrow field. That's the yes. whole thing about a spot meter, right? It's a very small area that it's measuring. Um, that's is right. that a one degree? Often, often that's what I hear. Uh, it's a one the, degree. Spot meter. This one is a one degree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's a one degree. Um, do they, you see a bigger field? Do you see, you, a see much, you see a much larger field. Um, okay. I think it's 23 degrees field. It uh -huh. actually, I mean, it, it is a, it is a, um, um, a two by three aspect ratio view inside okay. there. Um, and then when you, when you look through there, there's a little circle. Uh -huh. um, and basically inside that circle, that's the one degree. Okay. Um, and then you see the surrounding area. I think it's 23 degrees. I think they outline it in the, in the manual. It's 23 degrees uh, field of view. Um, um, so, so it is easy to aim and stuff, you know, with that little circle there. Um, um, you know, that part's fine. Um, uh, but it, it is, it is heavy. I think it weighs, it's gotta be a pound, mm -hmm. maybe more. And it's, it's all plastic. It's just like heavy, um, not big light, but like it's some sort of sturdy, you know, mm -hmm. feeling kind of brittle feeling plastic, uh, or, and it's got an aluminum lens barrel. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's got a big lens on it. It's actually a removable lens. You can unscrew it, um, which really just seems to let more dirt get inside of it. <laughs> uh, when I, uh, uh, it's like, it's got a, a big long lens. The lens is two inches mm -hmm. long. Um, and then when you look in there, you can see there's a, there's like a half silver mirror. There's a bunch of stuff going on in there. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty major uh, piece of kit. These old ones, mm -hmm. um, the it's new ones, complicated the new, inside. Um, actually, it's not terribly complicated compared to, uh, the modern ones. The modern ones, um, have, have some prisms and stuff inside, um, that make them even more complicated because the modern ones actually, like the modern Sikonics, uh, give you a little, a little, there's a tiny, tiny LCD that's in there, uh, backlit, uh, LCD that lets you actually read out the digital values that the, that the meter is computing. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas this one's just got the analog needle that's just lit by whatever you're looking at. Uh, there actually is a tiny, uh, there's a tiny light bulb, although it doesn't work on this one. Um, but when it's supposed to be when you press this button, a tiny light bulb comes on to illuminate the scale for you. So if you're metering in the dark, uh, that little little tiny light bulb is supposed to light up the the scale, but it doesn't work anymore. <clears throat> it's not reliable. All right. Um, so so now what's funny is that these meters. Um, will fetch like upwards of $200 on eBay these days. Mm -hmm. It's um, only $200 more than they're worth. <laughs> right. Oh, wait, plus shipping. Very strong opinions. Plus shipping, yeah. <laughs> um, so they, um, so they, they're not cheap either, mm -hmm. despite their problems. They're not cheap. Um, and that's essentially the, the, uh, the, the you know entry to the spot meter market like there's no there is no lower than that you know like you might find a deal on one <clears throat> or if you buy, if you buy a broken one uh, I mean you might get a broken one even if it's uh, not listed as broken but if you if you deliberately buy a broken one maybe you can fix it 
if you're uh, so inclined. But um, you're looking at, you know, a, it's a pretty high bar to entry for spot metering. Um, so this is one of the reasons that uh, those two reasons, rather the expensive uh, modern solution and the overpriced, perhaps uh, vintage solution. But I think, um, I think you left out one solution, Matt, which is to buy a Nikon N90S for $45 and carry that around with a giant telephoto lens and use that as your spot meter for the camera you actually want to shoot with. That's true. That would work. Um, I'm sure there are people who do that. We'll carry a, a DSLR or something if you happen to have a DSLR. Um, they often have you know, digital spot metering. Um which is because they're using the whole image sensor as their meter. So it's, you know, they just ignore all the other pixels. Um, you know, digital camera can cheat that way. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you, you want to go up in weight and complexity. Uh, you can solve the problem in different ways. Um, so I decided, I said, uh, this seems like, you know, an opportunity um, for Reveni Labs. So I designed uh, the Reveni Labs spot meter. Um, so it's very, very small. Uh, it's designed give, to be very, Give us very, a little, uh, rotation there for the, uh, for the viewers so we can see yeah. it before we All right. keep going. If, if you're watching online, Go Matt, is, or listening in the podcast, Matt has, uh, now turned off his light so you can't see anything. Oh, now he's, uh, <laughs> turn it up higher. Showing us it, it's, uh, it's uh, one of those touch lights. Yeah. While you're, while you're turning around to describe its, uh, physical dimensions. So, so it's about two and a half inches long. Um, it's sort of um, fish-shaped, uh, which was not intentional to make it fish-shaped, but it, it sort of has the shape of a puffer fish. Uh, it's um, uh, is it as poisonous if you eat it? Um, Probably. Uh, yeah, considerably <laughs> poisonous. Um, the uh, so the at the front there's a um, sort of the taking lens. There's a there's a lens and a sensor on the front. And then uh, on the rear is the viewing lens. Um, so there's an internal screen. Mm -hmm. And excuse me. And uh, this, so this internal screen, there's no external readout at all. All the data is shown on this internal screen. Uh, and the, that internal screen is also how you aim it. Um, the way that this uh, meter works, and the reason that I was able to make a very small meter is because this actually eliminates the um, pass-through optics. So whereas this giant um, spot meter, you actually look through it, uh, this one that I designed, you do not look through it. Um, how you use it is you hold it up to one of your eyes and you keep your other eye open. And it creates sort of a composite view inside your brain. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, um, I'm trying to think of an analog for it. There's, there's, it's really not that common of a thing, um, method of, of aiming uh, that people see, but, um, you can kind of, it's kind of like what people do. Um, if you have a rangefinder that has a one times magnification, uh, viewfinder, you can take your rangefinder and you put it up in front of your, uh, one eye. And you can keep your other eye open and you can kind of see the view through the rangefinder in your in your right eye and the view of the world in your left eye. It's 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 kind of the same thing, except you see no view through the eye that the meter is obscuring. So the superposition only occurs in your brain, which sounds difficult, but is actually yes. quite effective. 
it, it works. Yeah, it actually does work really well. I mean, you can get a you can get the barest sense of what you might be doing if you ball up your fist and put that in front of your face and look through your fist with one eye and keep your other eye open and you kind of see just this bright um, spot where the where you're looking through your fist, right? It's it's not exactly the same, but it's 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 the idea that your brain is really good at ignoring um, things that aren't there, basically. So um, when you're looking through this meter, your brain is ignoring sort of the black space around where the internal screen is. And you just sort of see these floating, um, you see floating digits and you see the aiming reticle in the center. Um, so it's, I can kind of demonstrate it by holding the meter up to the camera um, because the camera can see what's going on in there as well. Apparently it can also see reflections of my screen. Okay. Um, but when you, when you hold it right up, you can see in there oh, okay. uh, and it's, it's overexposing pretty badly. Um, okay, so let me let me describe what's going on. There's uh, okay. there's a circle with another circle inside it, right in the center of the screen, and then we have several digital readouts around the screen. Uh, can you describe what those different digital readouts are? Yeah, um, right. So as you said, there's a there's the aiming portion in the middle, and then surrounding it is various information about the readings. So. Uh, in one corner, there's the uh, calculated shutter speed. In another corner, there's the calculated aperture. Uh, in uh, so that's on uh, that's on the left side. On the right side, top corner is the um, exposure value. Okay. Uh, which is read out to a tenth of a degree, a uh, tenth of a stop. Um, and then the bottom right corner is the uh, current ISO setting. Then at the top of the screen, uh, it will show you sort of currently what it's doing. So when you press and hold the uh, power slash sample button, uh, it, at the top it says reading right now. And then when I release that button, it says locked. So that's basically just telling you, you know, it's reading or it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. uh, then, the, then at the bottom of the screen, um, it has the, uh, there's, a, there's a letter R and then there's a number next to it. Uh, the number can be positive or negative, and that is the uh, remainder. So the meter reads out the shutter and aperture uh, values in whole stops. Mm -hmm. uh, that's because um, the variety of cameras, you know, um, <clears throat> some, you know, some like let's say modern film SLRs, uh, the you know digitally controlled film SLRs would do intermediate um, speeds and, and stops and stuff, but most cameras and most lenses. Most cameras only do whole shutter speeds. Sure. Um, so, you know, 30, 60, 125, 250. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of them do, you know, half stop apertures. But a lot of them, you know, uh, at least a lot of 35 millimeter cameras only do full, full stops. Um, mm -hmm. And you, you can kind of try to split them by just sticking the lens in between, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not very yeah. accurate. It, so those notches are mm, yeah. a, a full yeah, stop. The, the so points. Yeah. You you can you can unclick uh, or yeah. de-click your aperture and get in between. But um, yeah, a lot of them will sit in the middle. A lot of them yeah. will sit in the middle, but it's it's yeah. not reliable, and you don't necessarily, you know, it's your 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 exposure is not going to be perfect if you're trying to split mm -hmm. half. You know, you're gonna you're gonna right. get it up or or down a little bit. Um, but some large format cameras, you know, they actually have uh, half stop uh, clicks, which is mm -hmm. which is fine. But the idea was that uh, have a remainder readout. So so basically, the the shutter and aperture that you're seeing on the screen are the whole stop readout. But then the remainder readout is telling you how much the meter had to round to get to the whole stop. So if you okay. had an EV, if you had an EV of ten point two, 
the meter will round to 10 to give you a whole stop shutter and aperture combination. Um, but then it will tell you at the bottom, the remainder uh, is uh, positive oh. 0 0.2. Okay. It's telling you it had to go down two tenths of a stop, which means if you have the ability to um, find something closer, now two tenths, you're not really, you know, I don't see how you're going to split two tenths. But if it was, let's say, four tenths uh, or five tenths, then you could split your uh, aperture. Um, or, or if you had a camera uh, with the older, the, the more, uh, you know, uh, like 60 years ago, there was a, a lot of cameras that did one one hundredth, one two hundredth, yeah. one fiftieth, um, some, some different, but it's kind of before they standardized on the set of numbers that they um, still use today. Right. Uh, there was these um, these earlier uh, number sets. So some cameras have that you know number set. You know, basically anything made in the last sixty years doesn't. Right. Um, so so I was just holding up uh, for those of you who are at home. I was just holding up a um, Graflex RB. Um, uh, this is a three by four. SLR and on this and it uses a combination of tension and uh, shutter uh, curtain aperture to come up with you know some some numbers that you know, shutter speeds that we would not normally do uh, like one one hundred ninety fifth of a second one one hundred thirty fifth <laughs> of a second so that actually with working with something like this. Um, makes quite a bit of sense um, yeah. because it does uh, it does have those aperture settings that are or excuse me those um, strange shutter options. Yeah, it has uh, shutter settings that are uh, uncommon. Let's say um, in today's world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, and, I'm so uh, yeah. Keep going, keep going. I'll ask my questions at the end. I got a, I got a list, and we've got a bunch from okay. the audience too. But, but yeah. Um. So, uh. So where was I? Uh, we were. Yeah. So, so that's so that's sort of the main. That's the main display. Um. Then. Um. So so you 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 know you you interact with the meter all through that that uh, uh, rear viewing lens. That's how you see everything. And then on the top of the meter is four buttons. There's the uh, power button, which is also the sample button. So you press and hold that, and it will take a reading. When you let go, it locks the reading. There's the menu button, which is also uh, when you press and hold the menu button, that activates the compare function. Um, so you can take a reading. Um, so say you press the reading button, and you then you get the number that you want off the spot that you want. Then you release the reading button, it's, and now the reading is locked. Then you can press and hold the compare button, and now wherever you aim the meter, it will show you the relative EV difference um, from the spot that you locked it on ah. to these other spots. So if you aim it at the same spot, it'll tell you the difference is 0, 0.0. But then you aim, gotcha. uh, so let's say you, you lock it on your highlight, then you can compare it to a shadow and see how many stops different the, the, the highlight you selected is from the shadow that you're looking at. That's super cool. Um, I don't know of that uh, existing in any other meter that I've ever seen. I, I can't honestly. I if they don't have it, I don't know how. I don't know how okay. they let that out. It seems like kind of a straightforward um, feature. So here's. Um, I think that we're at the point where I'm going to ask, um, uh, ask the the big question. 
why do I need a spot meter versus a wide field meter versus an incident meter? So, um, uh, I mean, I have I have some pretty good ideas, but I want to hear I want to hear what your concept is. What what's driving this versus um, the meter that you're already already thought, putting out? I thought we were selling Matt's meter to uh, people who wanted spot meters. You are selling spot meters to everyone. Very good. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Um. Well, so to break that down, because you mentioned essentially the, the three types of meters, yeah. um, incident. So so a spot meter is a reflective meter. There's incident meters, reflective meters, and a spot meter is a variant of a reflective meter. So an incident meter reads the light um, more directly. So the, the, the light source, the light comes down, uh, strikes the, um, strikes the usually, meter directly. Yeah, it's usually a little white um, yeah. uh, dome. A little dome plastic uh, piece. Let me see if I have one within arm's reach. I usually do. Um, I can get one if you don't. In my junk, in my junk pile. It's, it's my um, but imagine back. people know what incident meters so are. Imagine, imagine, imagine my hand for the video viewers uh, is the is the meter. So you can see the light is coming down, and it's hitting uh, directly. So if my hand could measure light, I would know you know, uh, how bright that light is mm -hmm. now. Um, now my subject, if I'm trying to photograph something that's in the same light, once I know the light, uh, that's hitting the meter, I can infer that the light hitting the subject is the same. And I can, um, use the reading I got from my incident meter to photograph the subject. What's nice about that is that the color or the, um, appearance of the subject does not impact the meter reading. So um, if I'm photographing a very bright object or photographing a very dark object, the brightness or darkness of that object does not make my meter change what settings it's telling me in order to compensate for the color of the object. So now, I, always, I always use the an analogy when I'm uh, trying to teach this concept to basic students is if you have a ninja uh, standing against a black wall, that's going to try to make give you a gray ninja on a gray wall, or the opposite, you know, uh, bear a karate and some uh, yeah, right, yeah, or or yeah, uh, Luke Skywalker out on um, Hoth, you know, wearing the white suit in uh, in the white environment, um, it, it, you're going to get a gray suit in a gray environment. Right. Well, well, yeah. well, what you have to do is then uh, you have to understand that the meter doesn't, it only sees brightness. It doesn't see, it doesn't see the subjective, you know, it doesn't know that ninjas are supposed to be wearing black and doesn't know the polar bears are supposed to be white. So it mm -hmm. simply is attempting to pick the best exposure to make whatever you're exposing for gray. It really doesn't know any better than that. So that's the problem when you're trying to photograph uh also, if you're trying to photograph a polar bear and using a reflective meter, uh, the reflective meter goes, I don't know what we're looking at here, but it's pretty bright. So let's make that gray, right? It doesn't know that it's a polar bear. Um, so it's going to give you numbers that maybe don't make a lot of sense for uh, the fact that it's a polar bear. Um, so, um, so that's an example where an incident meter is actually a nice choice um, because it is measuring the light itself and not measuring the brightness of the subject. Um, 
Now, it's not always the case that you want that. So, uh, for example, if you are trying to photograph an object that's in the shade, but you're standing in the sun, you can't use an incident meter reading in the sun to infer what the brightness is in the shade. So if you're at the zoo, let's say, and there's a lion sitting under a tree and you're standing you know, behind the fence and you're in the sun, well, you can't get into the shade. You can't get yourself into the same light as the subject in order to get an incident reading that's accurate. Uh, and that's, a, that's an example case where you need a reflective meter in order to get the reading that you want. Um, <clears throat> so uh, there's an example right there that we can then uh, make the case for a spot meter. If the lion is in the middle of this bright open field, that's all sun, but he's under the one little tree and he's in the shade. Well, the lion is your subject, but the rest of this uh, area is very bright. Um, so if you were trying to take a wide angle reflective meter, so for example, the Ravenia Labs light meter, the, the shoe mounted meter has a 45 degree cone um, uh, uh, measurement area. So if your lion is only 5%, 5 degrees of your image and this meter is reading, you know, 40 degrees of uh, bright savanna on both sides and the lion is darker in the middle, the meter basically is not going to notice that lion. Like it's not going to be like, oh, there's a dark spot there because, you know, you can't measure darkness. You can only measure brightness, right? So this light area is much, much brighter. And so the meter is going to go, oh, the, whoever, you know, the photographer here is trying to photograph some bright stuff. So like most of what he's pointing at is bright stuff. So let's give him a reading for bright stuff. But you, the photographer, know better. You're trying to photograph this lion. So uh, if you had a spot meter, you could single out that lion and get an exposure for him in his little shaded area, even though his little shaded area is only a small part of your photograph. Um, because in that instance, what you care about is the lion. You don't actually care about the rest of the savanna. So you don't want the lion to be too dark and you get a nicely exposed empty savanna. Right. All right. I, I'm going to make the classic argument for the spot meter as well. And I, I think Matt made a really legit argument. Um, frankly, this conversation bores me. I think everybody who uh, is watching <laughs> knows why you need a spot meter. I want to know how this thing works. And why you designed it like it did, and I promise we're getting there. And and we've got a bunch of sure. questions from the audience about, oh. Um, oh, you know what what exactly it does. But uh, I am going to jump in because Ethan, we were just about to get to uh, the zone system. Okay, um, okay. And then take it away. Nothing Grant. better than going through the zone system yeah, on a podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a really good question, Matt. Um, yeah, let's yeah, let, let's head that direction. All right. Um, the, the design. Okay. So, um, so the so the reason that it's that I I mean uh, that I was able to make it small is by eliminating the viewfinder portion of the meter. Like I was saying before, you use both eyes, so your your eyeball, your other eyeball, and your brain are the viewfinder, and the meter is just the meter. It's not two things in one. So that's how it's such a tiny device. Mm -hmm. um, and now the reason that you can aim it accurately is because of this viewing lens. So the, the uh, taking lens, the sensor, the reticle on the screen, and the viewing lens are all on the same axis. Mm -hmm. So that when you look inside this thing, your vision is, um, this lens sort of forces your vision to be aligned with the reticle on the screen. And so what that 
what that ends up doing is that uh, it, it's kind of hard to, to demonstrate, but if I hold it in front of the camera, I know this isn't great for audio listeners, but when I move it side to side, very small angle of view, right? So your eyes, well, it's actually not that it actually moves. You see, do you see how it's oh, moving I there? I see. I see. It's a little hard to, uh, to demonstrate, but oh, essentially, okay. because that lens is there, because that lens is there, it causes the viewfinder um, to kind of float in space. Like when you move your head side to side, it doesn't move. Just it's like looking into a window. It's like looking through a window where you can see one side of your yard here and the other side of your yard here. Uh, and that's because that lens is actually um, um, when you when you're looking in here and you're looking at that uh, screen that's in there, your eyes are actually relaxed at infinity to your to your eye. That screen is in the distance. It's not close to you. It's kind of like how VR goggles put lenses in front of your eyes so that you're looking at a screen that's two inches away, but your eyes are relaxed if you're looking off in the distance. Um, so that's how it lets you um, see because so and because you can't you can't you know cross focus your eyes right like you can't well actually maybe you can but some people maybe can't but uh, uh, it's difficult in general to look at something that's close up with one eye and look far away with the other eye right so this lens allows you to be looking at the subject which is essentially in the distance and you're looking at this tiny screen that's in front of your eye. Um, and your eyes are relaxed and your eyes are not you know, straining in order to be able to see these two objects at the same time. Um, and that's all because of this rear lens, but the rear lens also is what allows it to um, uh, stay um, aimed, even though, even though your uh, position to the meter and your distance to the meter change, um, it kind of cancels that out. It actually even almost cancels out like perspective. Like, see how big the reticle is there on the screen, mm -hmm. and then when it approaches, it doesn't. It doesn't actually really get any bigger. It just reveals more of the screen. So it is like a window, where okay. when you get closer right. to the window, you can see more of the space beyond. Yeah, so, and um, just to to let the um, the listeners know, those of, those of you driving, um, what uh, what Matt just showed was um, if the meter is far from your eye the uh the radical the 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 two circles in the center that show where it's focused are um it, it's it, and as you bring it towards your eye that doesn't change in size it just it, it, it and that's part of the uh optics yeah, it kind of, of that lens. kind of violates it kind of violates like the perspective rule like it doesn't it doesn't really it is like looking out a window optically. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't conform to the perspective rule anymore. It, it just changes how much of the internal screen you're able to view. Mm -hmm. So it's actually designed in such a way that um, you can see the whole screen from about an inch and a half away. Which means if you're wearing glasses, um, you don't have to get your eyeball right up to it in order to be able to see properly. You can bring it okay. close, uh, and and you can see it totally. You can see all that's available inside there from about an inch and a half away. So you don't have to worry about um, taking off your glasses or, okay. or something. I, I like this yeah. approach. It is opposite from how I would have assumed that you would have done it and much better than the way I would have done this, which is to <laughs> limit the angle of view such that your eye has to be in exactly the right spot uh, such that they're aligned. But but uh, yeah, super, super duper clever. Um, cool. Hey, I, I have a question about this. I know we're not getting into technical questions yet, but it's burning. Mm -hmm. Uh, how close can you get, right? I assume this is not a spot meter for macro work. 
but I bet you can get pretty close for like portraits. Uh, have you done any mm -hmm. testing? Uh, yeah. Well, there is a, there is parallax, right? So mm -hmm. because your eyeballs are not in the same spot, um, there is a parallax error. You can minimize it actually by by turning your head as much <laughs> as you can. I'm I'm not I'm not joking. It does get your eyeballs functionally closer together. Um, so it does actually without doing that. <laughs> well, yeah. So what ends up happening is the um, the closer the subject, the the uh, uh, if you're using your left eye, the 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 actual spot will start to wander uh, to the right, and if you're using your right eye, it starts to wander to the left. Um, so if if you're if you're trying to do highlight hunting or something. You can still totally do that because you can you can kind of get started and then you just you can feel out where the highlight is, um, and that works at any distance. So like if you're trying to you know if you're trying to pick out the highlight from, I don't know six inches not six, a foot away, um, you can you can hunt out the the bright spot, which is still effective spot metering. Um, but if you're trying to hunt out a spot that is not significant in some way, like if you're not hunting out a, a particularly dark spot or a particularly bright spot, you will maybe have a harder time. Um, but, uh, uh, but beyond like 10 feet, it's, it's completely irrelevant. Um, the, uh, the distance between your eyes at that point is like, I don't know, point, like a quarter, it's like a quarter of a degree or something like that. So it becomes, it becomes irrelevant. Um, uh, so, so it, it, yeah, it is a problem at close. That is one, one of the things that these, um, giant meters, uh, does allow is because, uh, optically, um, the viewfinder system and the metering system is combined. There is no sort of, there's a focus limit, like the, the, the lens is set to infinity. So very close subjects are out of focus with these meters. Um, but you can still spot meter up close. You just, you just have a blurry view which actually means that you can't spot meter as small of a spot, but uh, it does, it does still work. Like there's no parallax error with those. So there's a little bit of parallax error uh, with extreme closeness. Um, but for the majority of work, it's not relevant. And even when uh, like, like uh, uh, Ethan, you're saying with, um, uh, with a, with a portrait of somebody who's only a few feet away, if you're just trying to find a highlight, you can still totally highlight hunt. Yeah, just because by... you're you have a one degree spot, and like even if you have some parallax, like my cheek is going to be like four degrees or five degrees. I feel like it's uh, right. got to be pretty useful. Yeah, if you wanted to get like the highlight off someone's forehead or something, it would be uh, pretty easy to locate that spot by just hunting in the general area. It would take you only a couple couple seconds to find it. Hey, um, so we've got a bunch of technical questions graham i don't know if you're ready to move on to that oh. or, or matt you yeah. want to do some more like product hey. description first hey um, what did we start the homemade camera podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i forgot to run the graphics um, yeah, yeah 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 so the, the, let me ask uh, this first question comes from ben reynolds in the chat which is what is the ev range and uh also you look like the borg when you have the thing up to your eye <laughs> um so the the ev range is uh so ev is tethered to iso right so um if you want to talk about ev at iso 100 is kind of the standard uh it's the ev ei scale right um so it goes from uh, ev of two up to an ev of 20 uh at iso 100 so 
EV of 20, like the only way you can max it out is pretty much if you aim it at the sun um, or if you aim it at a direct reflection of the Probably sun. Probably shouldn't aim it at the sun. I would assume that would uh, cause cause damage long, long term. Uh, pretty, pretty quickly that would uh, harm something, yeah. I any mean, aiming, aiming, <laughs> aiming any lens system at the sun yeah. is a bad idea, yeah. Uh, so don't aim it at the sun. Um, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, so it, it can go down to about EV2. Um, that's one of the things about spot meters is low-end sensitivity is difficult because of the, um, um, because you are discriminating objects. against all that extra light. Yeah, you're, you're, you're eliminating all the extraneous light. So, you know, if you're measuring a huge field of view, um, you're getting a lot more photons in, right? Yeah, it's the same. So we're only getting the photons from this tiny spot that's a reflected spot off of the environment. So it's very, very, uh, uh, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the photons in the in the scene are are being rejected. Um, I, I would assume that you also have uh, instead of a tiny sensor, you have uh, telephoto optics in the front of it. So you're taking what light there is, and you're also uh, making it less dense across the sensor plane. Um, I'm. No, not not really. It is a, it is a focused sort of image. It's focused down, uh, quite small. Um, it's not um, it's not a it's not a telescope sort of <laughs> sort of thing. Do you have a, uh, that? Uh, I mean, that would work, but that would make a much bigger device, right? Because you're gonna have a hard time finding those. You have a surface mount tiny sensor. Uh, yeah, it is. A, it is a small sensor. Yeah. Um, it's uh yeah i mean you know small device means small lens small lens means small focused area for a one degree spot or i'm uh i'm i'm specking it more at one and a half um it's i think it could, technically it's like a 1.1 1 .1, but uh -huh. um there's a little bit of scattering and stuff so it's it's more like a one and a half percent uh, one and a half uh, degree spot. It's got to have some sort of bell curve, right? So like 1% is 90, yeah. or 1 degree is 90%, and 0.1% is another 5, and 0.2% is another. Yeah, number. yeah. Um, that's actually one of the reasons why there's two circles uh, in the aiming uh, reticle. The The inner circle is the true sort of one degree zone, but the circle around it is uh, is sort of a zone of influence where if you're trying to measure um, a dark spot that's next to a bright spot that's like five or six EV brighter, mm -hmm. you're going to get some sort of spillover. Mm -hmm. Essentially, um, trying to measure a dark spot that's near a bright spot is is a really hard issue for a spot meter. Um, so you have to, and, and I mean, you can see it like, I mean, you're watching the numbers in real time when you're metering, right? So you totally see what's happening. like. Like you can see that bright spot, like with your other eye, it's right there. Like you know, it's there. So you can, you can, you certainly get a a, a sense. Um, like you get a, you get a really intuitive feel for what's bright and what's not bright, and 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 you know how the meter handles bright areas like that uh, becomes really apparent. Uh, um, it's something that's difficult to convey, uh, you know, in photos and videos and stuff with the meter, but you really do get a. Uh, um, just this like intuitive sort of sense of framing it and and uh, and the reading. Um, but that's that is that is an issue that uh, that you'll see. I mean, with any spot meter, they get like even this big old guy, which which you know has mirrors and stuff. To to essentially the way that this works is they have a mirror that has a hole in it, um, 
and uh, and the hole is quite small. So the light the light that's headed for the 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 one degree spot goes through the mirror. The rest of the light goes to the viewfinder. Um, that works really well, but it's quite a large optical system. Mm -hmm. I would assume that that would cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars just to produce like <laughs> these days. At, I mean, thousands maybe at our scales, even your scale is a little bigger than mine. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, that one's not so bad. It's a, it's, yeah, it's basically a half silver mirror and there's a circle that's not silvered at all. Yeah. But then they have a pentaprism. <laughs> you can't make that in small quantities to my knowledge. No, but, but you could probably buy a pentaprism. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. There goes the market for old spotmatics. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be a huge chore, you know, um, to, to try to build that using off the shelf, uh, uh, systems would, would stink. Hey, can I um, can I ask about some other theoretical designs that uh, pop into my mind, and you can maybe tell me why those are bad ideas? I have some. Yeah. Uh, so sure. just just off the bat, right? Like, I bet you're using something like a uh, 0.1 or 0.96 inch OLED display in there. Um, uh, yes. Have you thought <laughs> about decapping that thing and? Uh, pulling the LCD off of the uh, off of the LED background um, or just using like a translucent uh, LED. Actually, I don't know if those have a translucent layer over a, a LED or each pixel is its they, own LED. No, OLEDs are each pixel is its own LED. So it's not a, uh, it is a light making device rather than a light blocking gotcha. device. So yeah, you can't, you can't do it that way, but you can do something. You can do like a projection. Like an LCD using screen. If you had a half silvered mirror, you uh -huh. could put that in there and uh, project on it essentially. Mm -hmm. um, that was something that I did uh, play with a little bit initially uh, as a way to um, make a pass through viewfinder, but um it just kind of wasn't materializing. And then I needed to figure out how to do the sensor. That was the other problem is if you want to do that system, you have to be able to have the sensor, you know, coaxial with the screens. So. Yeah. So I, I would mm -hmm. imagine in that system, like a LCD display with maybe a tiny flex PCB that's, you know, uh, basically just wire traces and then you wouldn't see the spot, right? Like it would just be blocked by a little surface mount uh, flex PCB sensor, uh -oh. but also... You know, it, it it my way has like a lot of problems with it, but it's like the one that pops to mind immediately. Well, I was thinking if you had a if you had a half silvered mirror, um, that you could bounce some of the light to a sensor, mm -hmm. bounce bounce half the light to a sensor, half the light passes through to the to the human, and then the same mirror could also bounce the 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 light from the display, and then you'd have to you'd have to you'd have to do something. Mm -hmm. about that. Half half of the display light that also goes to the sensor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had thought of, I had, <laughs> yeah. That's probably uh, with half silver mirrors work both ways, right? So, um, I had I had I had thought about it a little bit uh, when I was first sort of envisioning the the product, but it it wasn't materializing <laughs> in a way that seemed like it was gonna work out. Hey Matt, how uh, many prototypes did you go through to get here? I, I assume like, so you kind of alluded to this when we were talking maybe a year ago, just like privately on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I assume this is, you know, if, if you make uh, $600,000 on this product, you're probably making about 
$3 an hour for the time, <laughs> the time I assume went into such a thing. But like, no, seriously, like you've been working on it for a long time. Um, I guess time is less interesting to me than, than how many iterations of this thing you've done. Um, don't tell uh, me like ooh. I'm a genius. I did it first, first prototype work. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Well, it, it well, that wasn't really the case. Um, I mean, you know, it's built heavily on the, the guts of the old, of the, of the little meter. Right. Sure. Um, like I, I had solved a lot of problems there that I was able to, you know, reuse the, the knowledge. Um, I just, you know, bigger OLED, um, it's actually the same sensor. It's made out of the same material, the same multi-jet fusion, uh, printed nylon. It looks um, very nice, like aesthetically for those, uh, listeners, kind of a nice stippled finish. Very, uh, yeah, it's a useful uh, photographic a, absorber. There's a texture on the top, um, little dimples, um, top and bottom. And then, um, the buttons are, the buttons are actually a separate printed piece on the old meter. It's actually the, 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 the tips of the buttons protrude out the top of the case. This one, the buttons are, um, a separate plastic, uh, panel atop the actual button below. Um, so they actually have icons printed in them. It's, it's hard to see on camera cause they don't have the light. I don't have the, the zoom on the webcam, but there's, there's icons uh markings printed on top of the of the buttons um and they're a little bit bigger which is nice they're five millimeter diameter so they're a little bit uh a little bit nicer um so when you hold it i mean you actually can hold it where you put i put my uh my ring finger on the um the power button and then uh, you can use your middle finger i put my uh, index finger at the back to pin it so i'm kind of holding it with my index finger uh closer to the rear and i and my thumb underneath and then I have my other, my middle finger and ring finger to operate the buttons. Uh, and that works nicely, um, as a way to hold it and, and operate it. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we, we got tangented there for a second. Oh, hey, uh, this is, I've got so we actually have a, a question from Skip Williams, which is the thing that I was uh, thinking about I'm and scared. I could not name the sort of like, uh, double image two eye finders. And Skip named it. I couldn't remember. It's the Voigtlander contour. Voigtlander contour. Yeah. Yeah. He wonders if that was uh, an inspiration. Um, I actually didn't know about the contour at the time, and I found out about it later. Um, the concept's not new. Um, it's pretty common in. I think what originally inspired me was um, was red dot sights for guns. Um, because there's a lot of gun optics um, where they, you know, they want to have a virtual floating aiming tool, right? So red dot sight. But for also a gun. very important that you keep your other eye open for most uses. Right. Well, well, it's, it's certainly more comfortable, right? I mean, I don't know if you've ever, you know, tried to, I mean, you know, us with cameras, like if you're sitting there, you know, staring, you know, clenching your face, staring mm -hmm. through an SLR all day, like your other eye gets sore right from 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 closing it um so it's nice to have both eyes open uh and i mean a lot of the problems that um that firearm manufacturers have are similar to problems that camera manufacturers have um but what is really nice about those red dot sights on guns so I, that i noticed was that you know you move your head and the it stays in place and that's because the optical system of the sight is sort of pre-aligned and 
you, the position of your eyeball is not relevant to uh, is not extremely relevant to the the accuracy of of uh, or where the gun is is pointing. Uh, you just need to be within the area that you can see that that reticle. So this is kind of the same thing um, functionally. And then yeah, and then so Zeiss or not Zeiss uh, Voigtlander with the uh, with the contour finder. Um, those are really nice because it's just a wide angle finder. So yeah, the the way that those work is that. Um, I know you guys talked about it on a recent uh, episode, um, but the way that yeah, it's all it's all blacked out, and so your one eye is obscured except for the frame lines, and your other eye sees the scene, and 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 that works great. Works great up to about like thirty five millimeter. I think you can't really do uh, you can't do a wide angle finder that way very easily. Mm-hmm. As you know, it's trying to do a, a wide angle finder with no optics is um, it's tough. You gotta it's like a two look finder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. W- wave your head around finder. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, so yeah, so Voidlander did have that. Uh, actually, the fact that that existed uh, gave me some confidence that I wasn't going to step on a patent that I didn't know about, um, because I figured that that was sufficiently old prior art. Yes. Uh, that I would be uh, I would be safe from um, legal ramifications. <laughs> I hope, because um, uh, I didn't do a patent search. But I've never seen a, a meter that does this, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's uh, pretty yeah, safe. I think you're fine. Um, so that, so that, yeah, so it was, um, uh, it was, uh, red dot site for a gun. That was the uh, initial, uh, inspiration, but, uh, Voidlander, yeah, Voidlander did it first in a, in a sense, um, for a camera viewfinder. They did it originally. I have a, a question that I got, um, from Instagram and this is when I was posting earlier in the week about, um, you know, that I was going to have you on, and this goes back to your other meter and it's, it's a winter question. Um, okay. so, uh, this is from, uh, Stanka dot mono in here. Hang on a second. I could tell you who that Stanka. is. Yeah. Here, hang on a second. Um, this is John Gleason jr. Um, okay. so, uh, it is, I'm a big fan of, oh, hang on a second. I'm on the wrong thing. <laughs> it's not a big fan uh yeah i'm Hang sorry i hate you okay <laughs> so yeah uh and it's uh probus photos on instagram and it's uh john gleason jr there we go uh i love the meter but i find that it doesn't work well and this is the existing meter doesn't work well in cold temperatures yes. if i put it under my shirt it works fine in the cold weather is this going to be addressed in future future iterations of the meter? So, um, that is a great question. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a it is something that's brought to me uh, pretty frequently. Um, these these LR forty four batteries uh, they are so tiny. So so think about batteries. All batteries suffer in the cold, right? Like all right. like cold slows all chemical reactions, and so uh, all batteries suffer in the cold. Uh, and one of the issues in particular is that this battery is so tiny, it doesn't have a lot of thermal mass, right? Like if you went outside with a double A battery, it's just got a lot more meat on it and it's going to take longer for it to get cold. Well, what ends up happening is these little guys, because um, it's inside of just a, a plastic, you know, the, the meter itself doesn't store a lot of thermal energy either. If it was made out of metal, it would sort of hold some more heat over time. Um, but it gets, the little batteries get cold quite quickly. And the meter uh, starts to not turn on anymore when it gets too cold. Um, the new meter, um, 
I've I've upgraded it to uh, now there's two LR44s. <laughs> so um, the the power demands are a little bit lower on them because there's two of them. It's got a higher there's a higher you know total voltage, um, and uh, so it should run marginally better in the cold. But again, batteries are batteries. Uh, you know they they uh, they suffer in the cold uh, regardless. Um, it's just one of the trade-offs of size, unfortunately. So, one of the nice things, though, about this meter, because it's smaller, or uh, because it's not camera-mounted, it's a little bit easier to keep it, you know, tucked in a warm place. Like the other, you know, the problem with the with the shoe-mounted meter was that uh, you want it on your camera, and you don't want to have to take it off your camera to tuck it away, right? But if you had with the spot meter, you know, you stick it down in your coat, and you pull it out when you use it, and you stick it back in your coat again. It's a little bit easier than. Uh, pulling the meter off your camera or putting your whole camera inside your coat to keep it warm. But it does suffer from the same problem. I mean, anybody's ever shot digital, you know, in a, on a minus 10 day, um, your DSLR, you know, goes to crap in 20 minutes anyway. I uh, remember it's, it's, shooting it's Ice Fisherman in Wisconsin uh, with an RB67 and I get out on the lake, you know, I'm standing on three feet of ice and I go to take my first picture and the shutter opens and then I'm done for the day <laughs> to go warm the camera. Yeah. Rose. Yeah. So I, I wonder, yeah. I've, I've solved this problem differently in the past. And the answer is just my meter is three, four times the size by using a CR2 and like a switching voltage regulator and stepping the thing down so that I have plenty of power. But that also requires a battery the size of my thumb or half the size and, uh, you know, a little bit extra electronics. I don't know if you're just using like yeah. a diode or um, switching power. No, there's a, there is switching power in there. There's a little boost in there. Uh -huh. um, oh, yeah, but... no. I, I don't mess with boosts. <laughs> Always buck. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's, yeah, I mean, if it, if it had a double A in there, like, you know, a cold double A, double A's can put out, you know, like more than an amp of current or something normally. Um, but these little batteries can't put out that much power. So they, uh, they suffer in the cold quite quickly. Um, you know, even a cold double A will outperform, you know, one of these batteries when they're warm. So, um, it's, it's the price of size, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, if you can keep it warm, there's like, it, it will work fine. It's even just the battery. Like I've, I, I've told people, you know, if, if you want to keep it on the camera, you can swap batteries out, you know, keep the keep a battery warm, keep it tucked in your mitten or something. Um, hey, I got a question. But it's, it's, not, it's not ideal. So if you have a boost in there, is there a limiter after the boost? Could you potentially um, make an adapter? Like I used to have a piece of balsa wood with uh, two little tiny copper pipes that I would stick in the side yeah. of my flash when I was in high school and I had a, uh, a six volt lantern battery with a duct tape belt loop and a length of speaker cord. Uh, so I could use my flash a few hundred times before the batteries ran out because double A's weren't. And, it, but... and I'm going to say it at this point, no one is surprised. Ethan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, the... yeah. There could be a double uh, A adapter <laughs> that would, uh, that would work. Well, I mean, um, if you're going to go double A, why why not an eighteen six fifty? Or is that well, is that going to burn something out? Um, 
I think that's actually fine. Uh, at least in the new meter, that should be okay. I have to I I have to double check for the for the shoe meter. Maybe for the shoe meter an eighteen six fifty with a buck converter before your boost converter. <laughs> well, right, because well, because that little guy, you know, it's it's only one point five volt battery, right? So I had to have a boost on that. There's no choice there. Um, but um, um, yeah, uh, I mean, it seems so silly to if I was to sell like the cold weather adapter that makes the whole thing four times larger. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, for the zero point five percent of people who are using your camera in Canada. In northern Canada <laughs> to photograph. I mean, it does come up a lot. Storms. It's not even northern Canada, you know. Like, it, I mean, right now, I mean, I'm in Toronto, and it's uh, minus 14 today. So, um, it, I mean, it's it's pretty inhospitable <laughs> in general. Oh. But yeah, it's 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 definitely something that uh, people do mention to me. Uh, it's a complaint I've heard a number of times that it's, that it stops working in the cold and there's something wrong with it. And I have to say. No, sorry. It's just the physics, physics and tiny batteries. <laughs> yeah. um, um, hey, so yeah. I think you know we've we've been on for a little bit. We've got a bunch of people watching. I think um, unless there's something else you guys think we have missed, now would be a good time for you to do like a quick sales pitch and uh, like update. I mean, we've talked about the meter, but like uh, ostensibly you'll be releasing this somewhere and you can tell us about that how people can get them and then maybe we can open it up to uh having some of the viewers come ask you questions the hard questions directly yeah yeah uh actually so there's there's two things or um something i didn't cover is there are there's actually three operating modes that i uh that i've embedded in this device um and uh and they're kind of like you know however you like to use it um you can you can pick these of these three modes so there's there's like regular mode which is you know one reading and that's it and then you can do the compare function all all three modes have the compare function but it's basically you know one reading and and that's it uh that's called single mode then there's a two spot averaging mode um when it's in averaging mode um the screen changes and it says uh so you you put it into average it will say select your shadow and then you hunt down your shadow spot and then you let go of the button and then it says select highlight press the button again you find your highlight you let go and it uh calculates the uh middle point of those two basically says okay if this is shadow and this is highlight then middle is here very and good gives you the middle uh does that give you point. a warning if you're uh i don't know it's it's 10 stops or anything like that um you know, it's it too far almost film. It doesn't give you a warning, but it does show you the delta EV. Oh, so okay. if you know your approximate film range, it will show you. It shows you your delta EV while you're doing it. So you take your first reading, while uh, you take your uh, your shadow reading while you're taking your highlight reading. It's showing you the highlight EV and the delta EV on the screen at the same time in real time. Awesome. And then when you let go, it shows you EV whatever, which is the computed uh, middle, mm -hmm. and then you can do compare again. So now you can compare the middle gray to your scene again. Okay, I'm a little bit confused on the term delta. On Change that. in. So the difference, yeah, difference. difference. Okay, okay. Yeah, really, really clever. Uh, so that's uh, going to give you that's going to give you your your range, number of zones, yeah. essentially. Yeah. How many zones? Yeah. Yeah. So so you so you don't if you're 
if you're trying to meter for middle gray, you don't actually need a middle gray object in the scene, but you don't have to try to identify something that should read as middle gray. Uh -huh. You just need your highlight. So basically, but by basically picking the highlight that you uh, want to catch and the shadow that you want to catch, the in-between should uh -huh. be pretty close to the ideal exposure in order to get both of those, assuming it's within your film range. Now, if, if your shadow is 2 EV and your highlight is 16 EV, sorry, <laughs> <You're> not, <laughs> those are too far apart mm -hmm. um, for most films. Most films. Then, the, then the third mode. So um, um, I uh, reached out to a YouTuber named Nick Carver. Um, he's a pretty popular YouTube uh, large format shooter. He does a lot of uh, large format videos. Um, and he actually has some online courses. He has an online course on spot metering. Um, and I contacted him about the meter. I said, you know, I'm looking for people to do some trials and, you know, um, tell me about the meter. Uh, tell, tell me what you think. And he basically said, I don't care if it doesn't work with my metering system. Like, this is how I do it. And I don't really give a shit about anything else. Uh, and so, um, one thing led to another, his metering system is actually pretty neat. It's kind of like his own system, but, um, it takes you, you, uh, you pick a spot, uh, in the scene to meter and you use a descriptive term to, to describe the brightness. So basically, um, if the, like, let's say I wanted to meter, um, my phone, back so my phone back here is like quite dark it's like nearly black you might say so if i'm aiming my spot meter at it i look at the thing and i say this is nearly black and you actually program that into the meter so the way his the way his system worked was it would use a uh uh he'd use the spot meter and he would he would put a sticker on it and he would find the number he was using a pentax digital spot meter from like the 80s and he he uh he gets like a, a number and he's got this little sticker on there and then he would reference a chart and all this process. Um, and I said, I can make a, 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 an electronic version of your system in this meter. So basically, the way that it works um, is you, you pick the spot, you place the spot, and then you compare the spot to make sure that you got what you wanted. And it, it's based around, um, um, it's, it's, it's hard to describe without showing, and it's difficult to show. <laughs> um, but uh, my, in my Kickstarter video, uh, I, I show it pretty well. Um, but essentially, you, you pick a spot, and then you describe the spot. So uh, if I pick the back of my phone, like I was saying, I describe it as nearly black. So I meter that spot, and, it's, and then it says, it says, pick a spot. I meter the, can uh, the phone. It says, place the spot. And then I press the arrow keys on the meter until it says nearly black, or whatever my descriptor text is. Um, then I press the sample button again, and it shows me um, the middle gray calculated based on the spot that I picked and the descriptor that I gave it. Then when you press the compare function, it will give you a text readout for um, the other spots in your scene in real time. So then if I, so if I said uh, that this is nearly black, well, then I find something in the scene that's uh, totally different. I'm looking around, so like a piece of paper that's nearly white or it might be textureless white. I can then compare on that. And if it says nearly white or textureless white, I know that I've kind of made the right choice. So it's, it's about leveraging your human ability to judge brightness with the meter's ability to measure brightness without any context. You kind of merge those two together. 
Um, and it's actually a really effective system and I quite like it. And so his system prior to the Revenue Lab spot meter uh, or for using his system with other meters, you have to have a basically a paper table that you are picking your descriptors from because you have to convert your descriptor to a number and then you can set the number on the meter. It's very, uh, it's like a three or four step process basically. With the meter now, with it integrated, it's very, very quick. Um, so, so we came up with this. Do you allow Sorry. the user to program descriptors or you just use his descriptors? Uh, it's a fixed set of descriptors. Um, they go from, there's 11 of them from... Uh, I was going to say, are textures. there 10 descriptors? <laughs> there's 11 descriptors. <laughs> Excuse me. From, uh, What's from, this guy's name again? His name Nick is Nick Carver. And his system, he calls the system the precision method to manual metering. Um, so... Um, he um calls his method definitely not say. the zone system <laughs> he does i mean he, he's he says it's it's uh his sort of uh extension of the zone system um it's like the zone system but words right so rather than trying to say this is zone three it's this is a word it's more it's more uh human talk <laughs> but it but it but it yeah no i know um but what is cool, another cool thing that the meter can do is uh, if you know your film's latitude, you can program in the latitude for that mode. Awesome. Um, you can actually set what your max, what your, what, what, how many EV textureless white should be and how many EV textureless black should be uh, from middle gray. And you can then, um, uh, uh, that way it will automatically adjust those 11 point, that 11 point scale to match your, your film. So if you're shooting slide film, oh. excuse me. If you're shooting slide film, you can change it to uh, plus minus three. You can change them independently too, which is neat. So if you have a film that, uh, like, let's say you've got five stops of latitude uh, 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 of overexposure, but only two stops of underexposure, um, you can set that in this in this mode. You can set it up to plus nine and minus nine, but it's fully independent, and it cool. just shifts the scale that these that these words are applied to. Um, so the way he was, the way, the way Nick Carver's method does it normally is you just have different paper scales. You have, uh, -huh. uh you have a, a paper scale for slide and you have a paper scale for black and white, um, negative, um, this, you can just adjust it in the meter and it will, you know, stretch and, and squeeze the scale accordingly. Um, so that's, that's a really cool feature that, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about. I didn't actually didn't even know about his system until, um, I mean, I knew about the zone system, but I didn't know about his like um, word-based system uh, until uh, I talked to him about it. Um, so we've kind of came up with a partnership there uh, that my meter can now integrate his uh, his system, um, and that's really cool. Um, I'm actually really excited about that, and he's really excited about that too. Okay, so uh, uh, our next step is. Where can I get one? How can I get one? That's a good I question. So, uh, so it is coming to uh, Kickstarter on February 8th. Um, the Basically, the reason that it's coming to Kickstarter instead of like straight to sale is that I want to be able to get, you know, a big, you know, I, I got to buy, you know, lots of Large parts. Large orders and, and, of components and, are the yeah, only I way. Yeah, I need a big do. order. Yep, I need a big order even knows all about this stuff. Uh, so I'm trying to get a big order. 100 uh, control boxes. 
<laughs> looks like I am frozen somehow here. And also, uh, you are frozen? Oh, no. Yeah, we, we've, oh, we've got I... hang some on, Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Yeah, you set your you set that box down on something. I yeah. think um, dismiss. So okay, Matt's back. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Um, why are you gone? Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> so this okay, is, so I'm this fix is the this fun because... part of doing a live um, uh, show. Uh, according to Ben Reynolds, I'm the only one live. There we go. Uh, so. Yeah, we're, we're we're getting back. Um, uh, so we still have audio going, right? Um, so Matt, and it looks like we're back running. Yeah, you guys uh, although, are back. I'm going to fix myself in a second here. Yeah. Um, so okay, so it's on Kickstarter. Um, yeah, it will be on Kickstarter February eighth. Yeah, or February eighth. Um, tell us about uh, the pricing scale and uh, and those types of things. So. Um, it's uh, the price is two hundred and twenty-five dollars Canadian. That's about one hundred and eighty-five uh, US it's, right now. It's seventy-five cents US, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so it's about yeah. I think it's about one hundred eighty-five US um, uh -huh. at the moment. Um, so um, the you know that's that's a third of the price almost of the of of the next. Of the of the you know the next available brand new spot meter, um, so it's uh, it's it you know it's aimed at that uh, that Toyota market, um, mm -hmm. and not the Mercedes Benz market, um, and I'm hoping that it you know sort of meets the needs of like you know a modern large format shooter who's somebody who maybe does a lot of hiking, mm -hmm. uh, is carrying a lot of stuff already, doesn't want to carry um, a, a giant meter. Uh, mm -hmm. on, a, on a big hike because they've already got a giant camera to carry, and this is and, easily pocketable. Uh, yeah. There have been uh, no yeah, nobody out there, yeah, who, who's not got a, a pocket. It's got a lanyard uh, loop on the bottom, so you know you can wear it around your neck uh, or you wear it around your wrist uh, or wherever you'd like. Um, and uh, it's very light. Um, it's like I don't know, thirty thirty-five grams. Mm -hmm. uh metric not grams imperial um, um, yeah, so that's, that's, that would be uh, heavy it's like an ounce a little more than an ounce i think what, 27 grams in an ounce so it's 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 very light um and uh and very portable um so that was you know one of the goals there um and um uh, um <clears throat> what else and that it's kind of stripped out of the, some of the more elaborate features that, you know, like a, lo a lot of these studio cameras, you know, they've got flash modes and all this stuff uh, and, you know, flash radio receivers. Like if you want a spot meter and you're a large format shooter, you, you know, you probably don't use flash very often uh, mm -hmm. or need, you know, like you probably don't need some of those really like studio heavy features. Um, so having less of that stuff helps to, you know, just make it easier to use. It doesn't have you know, 100 bucks on it. <laughs> Ethan's flying around back there. Sorry, yeah, I was fixing some cameras and such. Um, <laughs> okay, so you guys ready to uh, take some call-ins? Sure. All right. Um, I just want to say, sorry, I just want to say, I do have the Kickstarter video. It is on my uh, my YouTube channel, 
um it's well it's yeah it's it's uh it's there uh i just graham i just put a link in the um yeah um yeah i chapter. i have it up if you um uh if you search youtube for reveni r-e-v-e-n-i to come up with video video description at some point um if you search that it doesn't it doesn't jump to the top it's mostly reviews of the other meter but if if you use that link there um graham if you put that link in a public plate for them We'll we'll put um, it in the video description. So if you're watching this ex post, I'm sorry, that was the wrong yeah. that was the wrong link. That was the link for we'll, the we'll put one. the right link in the video description. So when you're done watching this, uh, that's better after the fact. Um, okay. Just click on it in our video. It is still unlisted. I uh, I haven't. I thought I had made it public, but I haven't. Ah, well then we won't. <laughs> but, uh, but you can find it with that link, so that's fine. Okay. But yeah, that's why I won't come up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but people can people can see it there, and and that, I've got some video uh, showing the the internal screens and stuff a little more clearly than I can do with a webcam. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll get a better sense of what the other what the modes look like, and you know what you're actually seeing inside the, the viewfinder uh, when you're using it. Okay, so right. n- now if anybody wants to come ask Matt a question, or just chat about uh, digital electronics, <laughs> Graham's favorite. Uh, the link mm-hmm. is at the bottom of the screen. Um, and yeah, I will put you on screen. I have studio mode queued up in OBS. See if we get anybody. There's a few people watching. Um, yeah. So while while that's uh, while that's we're waiting for anybody to come talk to us, um, I got, I got a question. You may or may not. You probably want to hear it now, and then like a month from now, when you're just like under a pile of circuit boards that break your camera, uh, you won't want to hear it. But like, what what are you thinking about uh, next that you don't mind talking about? Um, I've got. Uh... Sorry, I'm just. Uh messaging i i have another podcast scheduled for later i'm trying to push it back a little um oh oh, oh what what you're I'm not, not excluding them <laughs> i know how this works yeah Ethan knows you're the, tartan you're tartan podcast junket yeah. yeah uh uh sorry what was uh what's, what's next? next um i don't know i i was trying to think i've been trying to think of something cool for incident meters like something that's I guess revolutionary or something, something um, that makes a incident meter easier to use or, or whatever. I haven't the decided yet. Lamp uh, mounted uh, no, incident no, no, meter. No. <laughs> yeah, you hold it up and then you use Bluetooth to an app that runs <laughs> yeah. on. You no. mount it to your head. No, you mount it to your head. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hat meter. No, I uh, I I've, I've been uh, trying to figure out something that would be uh, interesting. Uh, in the incident market, I did actually design a, an incident meter um, that's really, really small. And then I realized I was making a mistake. There's a difference between small and miniature. And this meter trended into miniature. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? The difference yeah, so between small and miniature. The way I would go is like to try and make the world's largest light meter. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I can well, get one to like this this big. Well, sure, but what I mean was that it was like it was like a normal meter, but just tiny, and so it wasn't any better in the way that it was tiny. It was just tiny, uh, and so I was like, "That's that's uh, not what I want to do. I have to avoid. I have to avoid miniature. If I want to do small, I have to avoid miniature." So. Um, so I put that on pause and I've been thinking about it more. I haven't decided yet what I think would be a, a cool, a cool way to do an incident meter. Um, so I'm still, still pondering that. And then, um, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing for that cause I'm a huge incident meter fan. That's the way I love metering. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about like, uh, I was, I was thinking about like some kind of incident meter that doesn't something you could have sort of on you, but it's not in your way. Like it's not around your neck. It's not in your pocket necessarily. It's just sort of mm -hmm. like if it was strapped to you somehow in a way that was easy to use, <laughs> that would be cool. Something that doesn't uh, like get in the way of your two hands for your camera at the same time. This is what I'm saying, man. The head mount maybe with like a heads up display on one eye. Instead, yeah. instead of the propeller on top of the hat, it's just a big glow. Big dome. Big yeah, glow. exactly. And it Bluetooths into your, um, uh, like the M2. What if I had an earbud and it just constantly read out shutter speeds and apertures in your ear? Oh, that sounds oh. incredibly annoying, but I am, I think that would be like F2, technologically awesome. F4, 1 Um, F2, how about... one <laughs> <laughs> or, or you, or you like you tap your head. No, that's what you do. It's, it's got a button up there too, right? So you tap your yeah. head, and it reads out the the thing. Oh, I so can like, just see. What do I, I can, need? And it reads it in your ear. Okay. I can just see my encounter with 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 the police when I'm out shooting. You know, I'm shooting somewhere I where I shouldn't, and yeah. I start saying, you know, F two one five hundred. F two one five hundred. Florida. Um, well, exactly. how about, um, so as, as you go down this road, I think there's some like adjacent products that probably use a lot of similar software, maybe different sensors or whatnot. Have you thought about, yeah. um, either flash meters or building TTL or, uh, thyristor flashes? Building flashes? Yeah. Uh, I haven't thought about building flashes. Um, but um, flash metering is interesting. I don't, at the moment, don't really even understand how it works. I guess they uh, they have some sort of high speed photodiode, and they're they're sensing it very quickly, uh, measuring it very quickly, so they can kind of make a a plot of the total you know photons in some certain time, and then you, it has to be like within a, some sort of time domain has to be synchronized. Or it stuff, has so. like an array of photodiodes and they trigger up to a certain one. Uh, I think I think there's yeah. a lot of different ways to do it. I don't think an array yeah. of photodiodes lends itself to be small. But, um, no, but there's there's a thing with that like cumulative capture. Yeah, I don't, uh, I haven't looked into it. Um, I don't know, like I don't, I don't have a good sense of how how many people are actually using, you know, doing like studio work where they where they have flashes, that many synchronized flashes and stuff. Like if you're doing flash, and if you do these days, you just use a digital camera. Yeah, um, especially because like you know all the, the Polaroids are, and the peel apart is is so expensive and stuff. Like you don't you you can't really. It's a lot harder to do the sort of 
um, pre-testing, right? You could use a digital camera to pre-test your photos, I guess, test mm -hmm. your flash and stuff. But um, yeah, it's I don't know I don't know how much of a demand there is for that, um, like you know, ambient light and natural light or or always on light seems to be much more, um, especially now that they have like cold lights, right? Like CFLs and stuff, LED. You don't need, uh, you know, blaring, like, you know, heat pump lights that are roasting your uh, your set. You um, can't see this now, but I have a uh, softbox I, lighting I, me that's <laughs> three by four feet. And I yeah. use this huge one because it's cold in the shop and it puts out a, like a nice warming glow. Uh, it makes me a lot <laughs> less cold. Very impractical. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the purpose. That's, yeah, that's really, Ethan, Ethan has a, a white uh, sweatshirt on, uh, and uh, it's so much heat, it's turned red on it's his. Him. So, hey, we've uh, been joined. Hang on. Yes. Yep. And transition. Andreas, well. you are live. And also muted. You got to unmute yourself. <laughs> Andreas, love your logo. Love that logo. Very nice. Um, yeah. Have a <laughs> silent guest. <laughs> yeah. Once again, the fun of doing a live podcast, live YouTube show. Oh, there we go. Hello. Hello. Andreas, do you have a uh, webcam, or are you just a symbol? The photographer formerly known as Andreas Mass. And, oh, and he's gone. Oh, and oh. Now we've got Francois. <laughs> hey, hey. Francois, you were also mm -hmm. muted. There we go. Oh. Now he's unmuted, yeah. but we can't hear him. <laughs> yeah, um, it looks like you have a mute on your headphones as well. So, yeah, we, yeah, we're not not hearing it yet. Oh, hey Matt, I hear his, I hear his, I hear his port crackling. Yeah. Um, hey Matt, when when this is done, I know you got to go to another podcast, but we no, don't worry about it. We need I, I to uh, offline talk a little bit about your uh, webcam setup if you're going to be doing this. I think I think you know uh, it's too you, bad. You can you can improve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For almost no well, money. My, I know. Well, yeah. the, it's my laptop, and then there's no room for lights in front of me. Uh huh. So I have to like move somewhere you in the room. A digital camera. I. I had, the only digital camera I own is a Sony RX100 Mark One. Does that have well, HDMI out? You know what? I think it might actually. If it does, then I have a thirteen dollar product for you. <laughs> it does have HDMI out. Okay, oh, but cool. the, oh, this is beautiful though. But the HDMI is next to the tripod socket, oh. so you can't. <laughs> Look at that. It's you so close. Like $6,000 worth of machining to uh, get okay. that work. So anyway. this, this is the tripod. That's the tripod I use, oh which is a bean bag. That's a good oh idea. God. So, uh, Francois, we're, we're not hearing you yet. Um, uh, oh, something, something's, oh, 
Bonjour. I heard, I mean, his port was crackling a lot. I don't know what, yeah. uh, <laughs> what's going wrong with his mic. Yeah, it does look like uh, when he talks, the the volume is going up and down. So is it any, excuse me, is it anything <laughs> I know? <laughs> no, <you're> not. Not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Zeno's got a homemade computer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the homemade camera podcast, not the homemade computer podcast. Yeah. Right. Linux laptop from the trash podcast. Homemade, homemade problem podcast. Uh-huh. Um, okay. <laughs> um, okay. Andres Mass asks at Matt, do you remember our InstaChat in digital level in a digital level in a potential future Reveni project? Oh yeah. Somebody uh, I guess it was Andreas uh, was talking about a digital level. He, oh, he told me about one. If if it was him that I'm remembering, um, that's there. There was one from Japan or something. It's a digital level, uh, and it beeps at you if it's off level, and it's got a bunch of LEDs. And I think when you put it on your uh, hot shoe, you can you can see the LEDs out of the uh, in your peripheral vision while you're looking through the viewfinder. It is kind of cool. Um, I think it only does like left right um, angle. Uh, well, that's so what you need for the horizon. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was neat. Um, I hadn't put any more thought into it because I was just kind of working on the spot meter. I, um, I have a prototype for the tweet hammer, uh, which is a hot pink plastic hammer that when you slam it down, it tweets a bunch of pre-programmed things. Um, Probably not a great product, it's a little Wi-Fi device, but it has, uh, you know, a two-dollar IMU in it that that can right. give you all of the data, pretty inexpensively. But I guess displaying that data in a useful way might be issue. Yeah. Well, he was saying he was saying that he likes this one because it makes noise. Um, yeah. Beeps and stuff. He also says he has one uh, that is two-axis and one that is three-axis. So three axes. Yeah. Can you have level? You can't have level in three axes, can you? Uh, no, but you can have uh, <laughs> you know rotational right. information, I guess. I, I guess, yeah. I don't know how that would be relevant. It's like if you only want to take photos that are like northbound. Um, maybe do. maybe it's useful when you're setting something up on it a copy yeah. stand for digitizing film. But I just drop my phone with a eye handy level on it when i do it he says uh, uh he says my bad one axis and two axis oh, okay so yeah 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 actually that product i looked it up you can buy them. oh my oh. god <laughs> doing this robot. <laughs> robot impression yeah we heard you for a second there francois that's uh, your modem francois yeah He's got a RJ11 to 35 mil, uh, 3.5 millimeter jack adapter. Oh my god, I've been soldering those for three days. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, the, I, I do like the level idea. I do get some good uh, tips every now and then from people um, with uh, cool ideas. I actually was thinking about doing a viewfinder, a programmable viewfinder, um, or essentially you would have. Uh, 
it would be kind of like the Voidlander contour, but that the screen that's in there would let you adjust. You could you could dial in the frame line. So if you put it on like a six by twelve camera, you dial in a different frame line. And if it was a six by six, you dial in a different frame line. Um, and uh, and then you can you like, be able to do different focal lengths. Yes. So the idea would be you dial in the focal length. So there'd be a there'd be a maximum of like thirty five millimeters, probably equivalent, right? Everything would be equivalent. Um, but I guess you could program in whatever you wanted, but, but so basically like there'd be the, the maximum bounds that the screen can possibly see. And, and then you could, you could set vertical lines and horizontal lines to like draw a box. So you could say six by nine on your, um, hundred millimeter equivalent, and it would be a box here. Mm -hmm. And then six by nine with your, you know, so you have to have everything kind of e equivocated, although you could probably, I, if I could, I'd make them so you could name them. So like, uh -huh. you know, if it's your 90 millimeter Schneider super angulon uh -huh. on a six by 12. So if the, if the 90 is like, you know, I don't know, it's, it's a little, it'd be a little tough to, to figure that part out. Um, and, and a lot of that gets put on the user, but, but it would be cool. Cause it'd be like adjustable frame lines. Um, um, actually be really cool if you could do it with a, with a, with a wide angle finder. Like I have a, I have a 21 millimeter round finder that I got mm. on eBay. Uh, it has no frame lines at all, but if you could put like a, a, a screen overlay on that, that mm. you could then draw boxes that would let you, you know, frame out yeah. a six by 17 or a six by six, or if it was farther away, you know, it, it could be cool. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I will tell you, um, having um, as many Kraken 612s out there, uh, it comes with a plastic finder system mm -hmm. where you slide in and out the, the front element and the element. Uh, the front frame and the back frame slide in and out, and as they're sliding in and out, they give you different views of different... Um, right lenses the big problem is you know if you're putting a uh a 65 millimeter lens on there you know you're doing you have to move your head back and forth well uh, all, all i'm saying is that that is one of the biggest issues that i've gotten as feedback is that uh viewfinder um uh in our in our last episode um we had who was it uh, who stopped by? Oh my God, he was here today. He asked a question. Eric Matthew, uh, wasn't it Skip Williams? Skip Williams, thank you very much. Skip Williams was talking about that. Um, this is an example of this is from uh, it's a super tiny. It's yeah. the size of your of your thumb print kind of, uh, and this is a twenty eight millimeter. Um, three by two, you know, it's a 28 millimeter with a 35 millimeter, uh, uh, aspect ratio. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was from, uh, uh, AliExpress and it cost me 15 bucks. And I thought, oh my God, I'm getting a steal. And I think that the stealing went the other way, but <laughs> it, it, because it doesn't focus. I mean, it's not, I you mean, can't see through it. oh, uh, you, you, it blur, it blurs everything that it, it shows no matter, you know, what the distance is away, but it does a really good job of giving you that, uh, 28 millimeter, uh, equivalent. So if you could do a combination, um, any sort of 
combination, starting starting with something that's relatively wide. Um, uh, I think that that would uh, I, that's a that's a market that I, I really think that that there's a market for that. It would be really and cool. I, uh, let me say that. Let me say that a different way. It's not that there's a market for it. There's a need for it, and there's a demand right. for it. So, which is a better way of saying that? Yeah, it's something. Uh, it's something I want to play with uh, for sure. Because um, I think it would be pretty cool, especially in the homemade builders. You know, like it's nice to have. You know, like you can deal with the with the over. Like like I made uh, for the twenty one that I have. Uh, I made this little aluminum um, uh, slip over uh, mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fine, but it's only one size, right? Like it's off the thing right now and I'm liable to lose it because I've been using that same viewfinder on uh six by six. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that, and I don't have a, a proper mask. I didn't, I only made one mask. <laughs> and then, so I, uh, you know, it, it just has no mask right now and that thing's just floating around. Mm-hmm. Like I'm bound to lose it if I don't put it back on, uh, on something. Yeah. Um, but hey, we have French, why back. Do, you want to try your audio? Can we hear him? And can't hear him. Cannot hear him. Francois, when you can make a sound, I will put you on screen. Uh, But in the meantime, (laughs) I'm going to ask some, I I think we've beat this horse, but I'm still curious about some Mm -hmm. other things. So so something that I deal with all the time, and I'm sure you are dealing with more and more now, is um, I have personal projects that I am 100% sure there's no market for. Um, for example, I've been really interested in building laser (laughs) laser cut pendulum clocks of Galileo's never produced design, although other people have produced them, but Galileo never did. And maybe that will be a kit one day, but like, you know, you can buy pendulum. Oh God. Uh, (laughs) That was Francois. Uh, we, we got some static. We got some feedback. You can buy pendulum clock it's for less than you know the materials that i'm interested in putting into building a really nice clock you know okay this is this is something that i've put off and put off and put off as i spend days and weeks and months actually building things for people i wonder you know uh you're an interesting guy looks like you've been milling some steam engine parts um (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) what else are you interested in either non-photographic or photographic that you know, you, you were just talking about a one-off and um, it kind of reminded me that like Matt's probably working on some cool stuff that the market will never see. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, sometimes I get obsessed with something and I waste a lot of time on it. Um, at the moment, I don't know. I, it, well, it's, it's cold here and I haven't wanted to turn on the heat in my garage um so it's a time of the year where the garage suffers but i was working on uh recently was working on a a a grinder attachment for my lathe so i bought this 500 watt spindle brushless dc motor um that's supposed to uh it comes with a mounting thing and a power supply and a bunch of other stuff and i think it's supposed to run at 20,000 rpm at 48 volts on a different axis uh, than the lathe yeah. So, well, the idea would be you put that on the tool holder, and then you mm-hmm. spin the part, and uh, uh, and then you bring that in, and you can grind uh, IDs and ODs on uh, on like a hardened um, piece of steel or something. 
And uh, that's something that was, I guess, going to be a winter project that I haven't got around to doing yet. Um, and um, I've been building a steam engine. I got kind of sidelined. Um, I forget why. <laughs> when I saw you start I got... building a steam engine, I thought, well, we're not going to see anything from Matt for about six years. <laughs> yeah. I was one excited and two disappointed. Yeah. Big steam engine no. or? Oh, hey, there we go. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a casting kit uh, from England. Um, so, it, yeah, it's designed to run on, on actual steam. I don't have a boiler uh, that can run it. Um, I did build a, a very small steam engine um, about eight years ago now, I think, uh, and a very small boiler that runs out of water before the engine gets up to temperature, which is kind of annoying. Uh, but, um, but I, I, yeah, I bought this casting kit. I forget what tricked me into doing it. I, uh, <laughs> I think I saw it on Kijiji or something. It was, it was on sale. Some guy had bought it from some old guy, uh, and uh, and and was never going to do it, so he was selling the, the castings. I think the castings are actually fifty years old, which is bizarre. It's already half a century old. Uh, it's never been touched. Um, so I uh, so I bought that and started working on it. And I I, I forget what sidelined me, but uh, I I got uh, pushed off the project. I'm a huge fan of the old Mamad kits. Mm. Um, I I bought one in when i was 12 and uh yeah yeah they were a lot of fun the mammoths are, are really cool um but uh, i had a mammoth when i was a kid and it vanished i don't know where it went um somebody ebayed it because uh when i eventually ebayed mine it was um uh, i sold it for the same price that i bought it for 35 years later you know <laughs> Right. That's not very good profit. Plus or minus inflation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, what about inflation? No, no inflation. Uh, yeah. Uh, most things go down in value. Uh, yeah. so. Those those mammoths seem to go up. Well, actually, what's funny is the manual. The manual comes with this. Uh, I had the original instruction sheet, and it says that the original castings cost one pound and, and ten shillings or something. Uh -huh. uh, and now the same company still makes it, and it's ninety six pounds. Uh -huh. The same castings, and and uh, I think even it says you could buy the finished model from them, completely machined and painted and everything for like eight pounds, which is wow. which apparently was like four weeks of pay or something back then. Yeah, which, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Crazy, but right. uh, but uh, it just seems insane that you could buy this completed kit for eight pounds, and now you can buy the raw castings for ninety six pounds, mm -hmm. well, only a mere fifty years later. Um, <laughs> Unbelievable, or maybe even longer, fifty five years. Um, Instead of running yeah, it on know, steam, I'm, I'm, sorry, go ahead. could use it on uh, compressed air or something. Yes, yeah, that's my plan is to run on compressed air once it's once it's ready. Uh, but I don't know when I'm going to get back into working on it because it's it's a chore. Even the the drawings are so old. Uh, there's no tolerances. Um, they they only dimension, I guess, what they thought was important and nothing else. And there's no sort of guidance on on how to hold any of these items, like turning the crankshaft. They just like do it, and yeah, uh, yeah it's 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 a lot of it is like a figuring out because I only have one set of castings. If I ruin something, I either have to order a new casting or make it from like solid stock. So I, I was going like very slowly through the whole thing, um, and, and correcting errors where I can because I keep making mistakes. Uh, no fatal mistakes yet with it, but. 
Yeah. So I, I, um, it's hard to get in the garage though, uh, when it's so cold out, uh, I, 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 even just in my house, I, uh, my, my, uh, my dark room's 14 degrees today Celsius. So, cause it's mm. in my basement and it's in a back room that it's next to the furnace room, but still doesn't get any heat for some reason. Actually, and, uh, yeah. if you have a furnace like ours, there's a cold air intake for com the combustion chamber and the chimney. So yeah, it's really uh, cold in the furnace room. <laughs> <laughs> no, mine has mine's one of the the modern ones with the external outdoor heat exchanger where the uh, yeah. the the burning air comes from outside and then gets exhausted outside uh, mm. through plastic pipes. So, yeah. but um, yeah, so I, uh, that's my other. I guess that's my other hobby is is making stuff and machining and that. Well, I mean they cross over a lot now, but um, been trying to uh, to work on you know personal projects sometimes. Um, but uh, that's about it. Hey, uh, Francois, do you have a question? Yeah, well, it's not a question really, but uh, more of an idea, because uh, when I heard you talk about the incident uh, light meter, yep. I instantly thought of doing something either like a watch or like a, the Doctor Who's sonic screwdriver. <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, with the dome oh. on top, and uh, you know, something like uh, pen shaped or. Uh, I because right exactly. now I got my meter here, and it's uh, this. Well, I, not big, 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 but uh, rather big, uh, seconic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I would rather have you uh, do an incident light meter that's more like canine that you could send out to the spot. And have it meter, and then it could come back. So you want to meter on an RC car? So you want to yeah. just want to strap it to an RC car? <laughs> just make it in the shape of a dog toy. There we go. You could do that. Put a take your take your phone, right? Take take a phone, uh -huh. and run a light meter up on there, mm -hmm. and then mount that on an RC car, and then do like a screen share to your other phone. Drive it out to where you want to meter on your little on a little RC truck. Uh -huh. And uh, there you've got a portable, uh, you know, incident. Uh, it's like a, it's like a photo assistant. Okay, but the RC line photo needs a truck. Uh, okay. Yeah. Do um, we have anything else that we need to cover in this podcast? <laughs> oh, probably not. Probably well, maybe because we've got a new visitor on. Do we got Andreas? Yeah, yes. back. Oh, Andreas, your, your mic is muted. Uh, you're muted through Google Meet. Ah, there you go. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes, Hello, Andreas. Welcome sorry, to sorry, I before, before it was by mistake, but before it was by mistake, but I thought I would jump in just for a second. Where are you calling in from in the world? Uh, just, oh God! I hear myself twice. This is horrible. I will. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I um. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, 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 I just did. Uh, <laughs> uh, I joined first time by mistake. This time I'll try to make it um just quick because I mentioned the um, digital uh, level, and right. um I I'm using it. I'm not. I'm not sure if you can hear it. I heard it a second ago. Yeah, the beeping. And then you can see the LEDs. Uh, yeah. 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 
Basically, it stops beeping when it's level. And it's surprisingly uh, accurate because you can uh, change the sensitivity of it. And once you place the camera down on something flat, you can zero it out. So it's okay. not reliant on the hot shoe levelness. And that's a real neat thing because I love the Mamiya 7, but I'm not, I don't like how um, the viewfinder is quite inaccurate because it's got the rounded corners. And sometimes when I'm really sure that the shot is perfectly level, could be that something is, I don't know, out of whack inside, but uh, too often my shots are not level enough, even though it feels like they are. Okay. Uh, and with this, because it's so tiny up top there, uh, I can easily compose a shot and um, yeah, I can hear it. And so at night, I can even turn out the sound, um, the noise it makes, because yeah. at night it's it's dark enough that I can actually still composing through the finder i can still see the um see the, the leds glowing yeah uh, but it's really invaluable once you get used to it because it's so tiny it's just a kind of peace of mind that once you've composed your shot everything is level as you th think it is yeah. uh, and having something like this i know it's an, an add-on you don't need something like that in a in a meter but seeing how tiny they made it and it's basically I don't know, maybe 70% of all the size is just the battery and a right. few LEDs. If this could be added to any kind of product that could be mounted on a uh, hot shoe, mm -hmm. it, I don't see how it would, especially if you make it only through sound, so you don't even need LEDs, it could be an um, easy kind of, I don't know, added feature. Not sure how many of our people are out there with my needs, because I feel like some cameras uh, and their viewfinders are inaccurate. Yeah as I feel they are. So maybe it could be as something people don't even know they need. Um, not sure. And yeah. I kind of like the audio part of it because uh, sometimes when you take pictures, they're crooked. And if you have those little bubble meters, uh, not bubble meters, but uh, bubble levels, uh, yeah. well, you got to take your eye off and look at the look at the bubble. And, you know, it's kind of... Uh, it could be added though to uh, the LCD screen on uh, the little uh, exposure meters, but then you yeah, need to add the yeah. tilt meter inside also, so it would make it a little bit bigger. But uh... well, those, this is um, the second one. This is the second small. one. It doesn't for some reason they remove the audio feedback from this one, but uh, this one shows you basically if something is level on both axes. It's also neat, but it's it's more like you need to look. Added from the top. That's kind of yeah, the, yeah. You can't uh... a boop <clears throat> for both axes. Yeah, that's all <laughs> I wanted to say. I hope I didn't disturb too much. But, but this this way, you can at least see how big it is, and uh, that maybe I don't know. Maybe there's there's more people like me who would love to see a new product. Because when I bought this one, I used it while I was uh, like uh, staying in Hong Kong for many months, and I broke it. It it mm -hmm. I, I accidentally sat on one. And then after I came back to Germany, I was trying for months to find this particular small one with the audio feedback. And there is nothing like it available. And the only one I found was the exa uh, exact same manufacturer based somewhere in China or Hong Kong. And uh, a guy I met uh, in Hong Kong who has a camera shop, he was able to import it from China and then send it to me because otherwise I had no way of... <laughs> buying another copy mm. um so as of now maybe i don't know maybe there's more demand for this and people just don't even know that a product like this could exist 
That's not a bad idea. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I'd be curious what the what the actual uh, you know interest would be from from people because um, it's it's a pretty straightforward product. But uh, right, oh, how many people would actually want to buy it? It's not something like I mean, you know, like when you have a digital camera that has that sort of you know artificial horizon feature, um, you're kind of like, oh, that's neat, but. Um, yeah, the, the the horizon feature can also take away from the um, like what I like about it is that the audio feedback, especially if you yeah. make it less obtrusive, because this sound is annoying <laughs> as hell. So if you can make it something more quiet, uh, then it's it's basically a different sensory level where you don't feel like you are uh, you have to focus on it visually. So you can really just. You, at some point, you get into the the hang of it, just composing, and the sound is just a reassuring kind of um, yeah feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something yeah. Uh, it's something that deserves more thought for sure. It's, uh, yeah. That's all I want to say. I hope I did. <laughs> I didn't no, take too great. much time. And, Thank uh, you for coming. I'll be, I'll be out again. Okay, right. Thanks. See you around. Bye bye. 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 I think now is probably a good time to start wrapping this thing up. Um, I want to thank Matt for coming on. Um, if you are interested in Matt's products, go to Raveni, R-A-V-E-N-I dash labs. Nope. Nope. R-E-V-E-N-I. Nope. Nope. -E -E oh, damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we'll have the link in the description below and uh, a link to Matt's uh, product video for the new spot meter. Um, Matt, is there anything else you want to uh, say or links you want to share? Uh, at the moment, I think that's it. Uh, I do. Uh, I do have a, like a pre a pre page. Um, what do they call it? Pre launch page uh, for the Kickstarter. Uh, I'll send you guys the link for that too. Um, if somebody uh, is worried about missing it, uh, you can um, like subscribe to be notified. Uh, when the when the Kickstarter uh, goes live, uh, and um, and yeah, I sent you guys the link for the video, uh, so people can watch the video uh, Kickstarter video, uh, and um, and that's all. February eighth, it will be up for thirty days. So uh, feel free to head on over there and uh, and back it if you're interested in getting one. So uh, the planned ship time is August of 2021 pretty quick um yeah i mean i it's it's uh it's really close to being ready actually the uh i'm not overly happy with the with the battery drawer that i designed um it seems to occasionally have some contact issues so i'm thinking about changing it to batteries that go in through the bottom with some kind of uh cover i haven't decided if it's going to be like a uh, yeah, you know like a, a little coin door yeah. yeah, I want to make it. I want to make it toolless, uh, but maybe I would do like a coin, a coin, um, the bayonet lock with a coin uh, mm -hmm. slot, uh, or or some kind of door that slides over. Um, I haven't decided yet, but I'm 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 planning on changing the battery uh, entry uh, compartment. But other than that, um, it's working really well. Um, there's about half a dozen of them in the hands of some. YouTubers uh, and people around who, uh, like Nico from Nico's Photography Show, has one, um, <clears throat> and they've been giving me some feedback. Um, 
and it's all been uh, positive, except for a couple little uh, software bugs and that sort of thing. Um, so it's uh, it's it's yeah, it's basically you know uh, um, uh, pretty much ready to go, and the like the manufacturing stream is like identical to the previous light meters. So um, you know all the all the assembly kinks and sourcing kinks are are sorted out. So um, I'm confident in in the August uh, time frame. Only problem would be is if I sold like many, many, many of them. Um, if I, I'm not so sure about trying to hire help in the uh, in the COVID times. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I need yeah. assistance, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. There's okay. a, there's a possibility that there's uh, that too many would be a bad thing. But uh, well, well, Canada has has reserved um, six uh, COVID doses for you. Just for me, no. and, and no. for six for Francois, oh. and six for every other Canadian. Um, yeah. So I wish. Yeah. Yeah, but, but they, they haven't. They haven't got the people yet. shoot them. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So uh, so um, yeah. I'm feeling good about it, and uh, <clears throat> it's uh, it's going to be a success either way. Right. Yeah. I feel yeah. good about it too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, I was impressed with uh, the design at first. So, because I was thinking of doing one myself, because I pretty much oh, yeah. build everything myself, and uh, I looked at this and I went, "Hmm, that's interesting." But you know, Francois, so... how thick would the plywood be on yours? Uh, <laughs> I, actually, I actually I thought of building one uh, this year using the sensor from a cell phone for the. Um, not the camera side, but the side where uh, there's the sensor for how close you are to your ear or something like this. Sure, sure. Because uh, yeah, it yeah. uses a light sensor. And uh, that thing, you know, is pretty sensitive. You know, so I was thinking of using something like that. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it would be plywood, most probably. <laughs> okay. Stay <laughs> tuned for next time we talk to Francois about plywood light meters. Uh, <laughs> uh, plywood everything plywood's the magic uh, plywood and cardboard okay know? okay i can leave this chat okay for you guys Graham. so so uh matt do you have any shout outs anything uh anybody you want to say thank you to anybody you want to um mention um yeah i mean uh, uh nico nico you from uh nico's photography show um He's, uh, he's always out there, you know, pushing film stuff. Um, he's a big uh, help to the community. Um, so I always like mentioning him. Um, all you guys are great. Uh, Graham and Nick and uh, Ethan. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, Nick Carver as well um, has been a big help with this project. Um, and uh, Matt Mirage from the FPP um has one of the meters uh i know he's doing the video soon uh where he talks about it and gives his uh his thoughts uh, i know he's been enjoying it um and there's a couple other guys uh so uh it's it's exciting uh you know i'm i'm really happy that um you know the film community is is excited in this stuff you know that they uh um uh, you know want to buy the things that i come up with so i'm happy about that um, and it's my full-time job now as well. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm happy with that too. So yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. Good, good, good. Uh, Hey, Francois, do you want to shout out to anybody? 
Uh, no shout outs, but a tip for those photographing cold weather. Uh -huh. Think strapping a hand warmer to the battery grip of your camera with some tape. It's not a bad oh. idea. Yeah. 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 There we go. These things are cheap like dirt and... Uh, you're th you're thinking of one of the chemical ones where you yeah break you break them yeah, yeah. okay and you, you, scrap it, you either tape it to whatever there's a battery on and you'll yeah. just put enough heat to the materials to uh, keep uh -huh. the battery going yeah that's cool cool yeah uh, Ethan do you have any shout outs anything that you want to mention yeah Azrael Knight was uh, doing some interesting thing with a bunch of other YouTubers on uh, film. February is some contest thing they're running amongst uh, a lot of channels, but I'll just say uh, if you're interested in it, go check out Azrael Knight's uh, Film <laughs> February channel. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they got they also got a website, and uh, it's a contest where they judge an entire roll of film, and uh, it's uh, filmfebruary.com, I think, or something like this. And uh, there's some prizes and uh, the when you participate there's a well there's a processing fee uh, by the indie film lab and they give 20 percent off to everyone so uh okay cool cool uh well uh nick is not here today so we want to say thank nick in in his absence uh we also want to thank robbie cribs uh, for producing the music that you're not hearing on this episode because uh, Ethan and I have been distracted and we have not put together the proper uh, opening and closing to the, the live versions. Uh, but that will, that, that'll be coming up and you'll hear it again. So uh, Robbie Cribs of Soundtrap Studios. Uh, thank you, Robbie. Thanks, Thanks Robbie. Robbie. 